0: So good to see you guys, Harbor Fam. And as we get started, I need to ask you a question, okay? You need to get your thinking cap on and look at your life and answer this question, what is at the top of your mountain? That's a question I want you to think inside your heart and mind right now because all of us are climbing some kind of mountain in life, so what is at the top of the mountain you are climbing right now? I remember the first time that I climbed Coco Crater, how many of you have climbed Koko Crater? All right. You know it's the worst hike in Hawaii, right? It's awful. There's no breaks. There's no turns. There's no viewpoints along the way. There's no shade. It's just this never-ending stair climber all the way to the top. And when you make it three-quarters of the way to the top, right at the point where you feel like you want to quit, that's where it goes from 45 degrees to 60 degrees. And you're like, are you kidding me? The first time I did it, I was like, there's no way. I'm not doing this. And the friend who brought me was like, trust me, what's at the top is worth it. So I kept chugging. I kept sweating. I kept panting, made it to the top, and we got there right at sunset. And he was absolutely right. We saw just the beautiful turquoise blue of the marina right down there below. And the emerald green of the hills and the valleys, and the deep blue of Honolulu Bay out in the distance, and then far in the distance, the silhouette of Diamond Head. Man, What was at the top of that mountain was mind-blowing. So, what's at the top of your mountain? What's at the top? What's at the top of the mountain you're climbing? Maybe it's a nice house. Maybe it's the next car. Maybe it's thriving in your career. Maybe it's successful kids. None of those are bad things. They're all great. The problem is when you get to the top of one of those mountains, I have a suspicion that the view might not be as good as you were expecting. Might. There's got to be something bigger than yourself at the top of that mountain. So what is it? Well, Jesus is going to tell us. Matthew chapter 6. If you got your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today. And we're finishing this little mini-series that we've called Seek. Because God wants us to seek refuge in the family of Jesus and seek redemption through the grace of Jesus and then to seek resurgence by joining the mission of Jesus. And all of that for the renown of Jesus. Today we're focusing on the mission. What does it look like for us to be launched into a resurgence in the mission of Jesus? Here's what's at the top of the mountain, family. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 19. Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. No, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. That's what's at the top of the mountain, family. Eternal life. That's what we're shooting for. And if we know that eternal life is coming, and this life is just like the blink of an eye compared to that life, why would we put all of our eggs in the basket of this life? Why would we do that? It would be kind of like going on a two-week trip to Japan and converting all of your life savings into yen. That's what it would be like. Just everything you own, convert into yen for that two-week trip. For some of you, everything you own, that could be a couple million dollars if you've done really well in life. For some of you college kids, maybe all you own is a couple of, I don't know, Dave & Buster's power cards. That may be all you own. Whatever it is, think about converting everything you have into the currency of a country that you're only going to be in for a couple of weeks. Why would anyone do that? That makes no sense. And that's exactly the question that Jesus is asking us here. Why would you store up treasures on this earth? Compared to eternity, you're only here for a couple of weeks. Why are you storing up treasure here? Now, here's the thing. Jesus could have said, don't store up money here on earth. He could have used that word. It's a different word in the Greek. He didn't use that word, and that was on purpose. He used the word treasure Because treasure refers to anything that we value here on earth. And and that's how he defines it in the next verse. Look at verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure is whatever you set your heart on, whatever you spend time thinking about, dreaming about, trying to get more of, that's your treasure. And that could be money. could be stuff could be experiences, places on your bucket list, could be food, could be substances. That could be comfort or security or respect. And Jesus isn't saying those things are bad. Most of those things might be great. It's not a problem to own stuff. The problem is when our stuff owns us. That's when the problem starts coming. It's when your stuff defines you. When it Drives you. That's when it becomes your treasure because that's where your heart is. So, what is your treasure? What is it that defines you, drives you, wakes you up in the morning? What is it that you treasure? Maybe you don't know. I can tell you what your treasure is. You just have to answer this question. It's really simple. Just fill in the blank. If only I had blank, then I would be happy. If only I had blank, then I would be happy. Or you could also do it on the flip side. If I ever lost blank, then I would be miserable. Whatever you fill in the blank with, that's your treasure. That's your treasure. And treasures aren't usually bad in and of themselves, but treasures can be bad for you when you're storing up treasures for yourself. Instead, Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven Store up treasure in heaven. And that's something he says you can do right now. So maybe you're like, okay, that sounds nice, but what kind of treasure can I store up here that I can take with me into heaven? That is a really good question. So let's think about it. It can't be your car, can't be your house, can't be your 401k, can't be your Dave and Buster's power cards, can't be any of those. You can't take those with you. There's only one thing that you can build here and take with you for eternity, and that's relationships. Relationships is the only thing you can take with you. So that's the treasure that you can store up now and keep for eternity. I love how Jesus says it in Luke 16. Look at what he says. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. In other words, Use your treasure in this life to help people meet Jesus, and those relationships are going to be your treasure in the next life. Those are the people who are going to be welcoming you when you march up to the pearly gates. Those are the people who are going to be throwing you a house at when you march up into heaven. So use your time, use your energy, use your gifts and skills and talents and money to make friends that you'll keep forever. That's the treasure that Jesus is talking about. That's what's at the top of the mountain that Jesus wants you to climb. And so this right here, this is why Jesus wants you to join his mission. Number one, to connect. To build connections and relationships because, family, when you are on mission with Jesus, you are going to make relationships, build relationships, form relationships that last forever. Like five years ago, when we first bought this building, We were doing all kinds of renovations because it was kind of an old, grimy warehouse that we needed to turn into a warm, welcoming space like we have now. So we had teams of volunteers here six days a week for three months straight, people working all the time. And so I remember one day, we were painting that wall right there. I was up on a ladder painting the top part of the wall, and there was a young guy and a young gal down below painting the bottom part of the wall. And I was just kind of listening to their conversation from on top of the ladder. And they were starting to ask each other questions. Like, like, you know, guys and girls ask when when they're kind of circling around each other. You know what I'm talking about? Like when dogs sniff each other, that kind, you know? People don't sniff each other, praise God. But they ask each other questions like, if you could be any superhero, what superhero would you be? I'm sitting there on the top of the ladder just listening to this conversation unfold. If you could only use one emoji for the rest of your life, what emoji would it be? And I'm just dying up top, really trying hard not to laugh as I'm listening to this conversation go. So the thing is, an hour later, their conversation got a lot deeper. And then six months later, I was doing their wedding right on this stage right here. Now, I can't promise you that if you serve, you're going to meet your future spouse. That's not something I can promise you, okay? But I will promise you that if you stay home watching YouTube all day, you definitely won't meet your future spouse, all right? That is a promise I can guarantee. It might be a marriage relationship. might be a beautiful friendship. might be just an eternal relationship that you form because you're on mission with Jesus. So join the mission of Jesus to connect. And then number two... Join the mission of Jesus to care, to to find something outside of yourself to care about. Look at what Jesus says in verse 22. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now, I know there's a lot of dark and light and lamps and eyeballs going on in that verse. It's a little hard to understand. Let me try and translate it for you. It really helps to take other scripture to interpret scripture. And Jesus uses the exact same phrase in Matthew 20 when he's telling a story about the owner of a vineyard who has to go out and hire some day laborers to help him in the vineyard. And in this story, the owner goes out and hires some guys at noon to start working. And then he goes and hires some more guys at 2 o'clock. And then he hires some more guys at 4 o'clock, just right before Hana time. An hour later, when it's Palhanna time, he goes to pay everyone, and he pays every single guy exactly the same wage, no matter what time they showed up. Well, the guys who showed up at noon are pretty salty, that the guys who showed up at 4 got exactly the same as them. You understand that. That's just not fair, right? But... It says, the owner replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't we agree on a wage? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous? Because I'm generous. And that word jealous right there is the same word we saw in Matthew 6. Literally in the Greek, do you have a bad eye Toward my generosity. So, when Jesus is talking about having a bad eye, he's talking about being selfish, being greedy, just caring about ourselves all the time. And what does he say? He says here if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Yeah, when you only care about yourself, life gets really dark and depressing. That's just how it goes. When you're only concerned about yourself, then you're self-conscious all the time. You're worried, you're anxious all the time. Life is miserable. But on the other hand, he says, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. When you start caring for others, then your whole life gets filled with this light that you never experienced before. Yes, when you care for others, You're going to mourn when they mourn. You're going to be sad when they're sad. All of our family and friends on Maui, they are in mourning right now. And and so we mourn with them. I've been over to Maui a few times in the last few weeks just talking to people, talking with pastors, talking with people who survived this thing. And I've never seen so many just shell-shocked people in my life. I've walked with people through crises before, but it was almost always an individual crisis. This is something unprecedented in our state that people are working through right now. They're in mourning. Even though folks over in Kahului and Wailuku and even upcountry, they're still in shock over what happened two and a half weeks ago. And, And so we mourn with those who mourn. But we also rejoice with those who rejoice. I met someone who escaped from the fire, ran out of his house while the whole world was a wall of flames, all around him. He still has lesions all over his body from the fireballs that were coming down and hitting him as he ran. But he survived. And so he praises God even through his tears. If he's praising God, we want to praise God with him. We mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We join the mission of Jesus to care, And then number three, we join the mission of Jesus to contribute. Join his mission to contribute to something bigger than yourself. Look at what Jesus says in verse 24. 24, no one can serve two masters since either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He said you gotta choose one or the other. You can treasure God or you can treasure earthly things. That could be money or anything else. And Jesus says, whichever one you choose, you're going to end up hating the other. And we got to interpret that well, because when we hear that word hate, we automatically think just a emotional, violent kind of reaction that people have. But that's not how the Bible usually used that word hate. In the Bible, when you see that word, it usually means something more like reject, or avoid, or ignore, or or just kind of drift away from. And so Jesus is saying, if you serve God, if your life is wrapped up in God, you're just going to naturally start to drift away from the things that you used to think were so important. The things you used to get all worked up about, trying to get them, trying to keep them. They're just not going to be as important to you anymore. But that's the choice you've got. There's only two options we've got, family. Serve God or serve yourself. Build God's kingdom or build your own little sandcastle. That's the choice. Maybe are like, well, bro, I am all about building God's kingdom. Just look at my story, all right? Just look at the ways I, I serve my family Look at this epic meal I made for them. Look at the way I serve the church. Look at the way I serve the community. It's it's right there on my story. Well, Jesus has a few words for you. Skip back to the beginning of chapter six. Look at what Jesus says in verse two. Verse two, whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. And that first word, there is so important. Jesus doesn't say, if you give. No. He says, when. When you give. Jesus just assumes we're going to be serving. But he's also really wise. And so he also assumes we love to let other people know when we're serving. Don't we love that? Whether it's blowing trumpets like the Pharisees did, whether it's posting a few humble brags on the story, whether it's just Working it casually into a few conversations just sprinkled in here and there. We love to let other people know what we're doing. But Jesus says, if we're doing things to get glory and recognition and reward from other people, then we're not going to get any reward from God. He says, truly I say to you, you've received your reward. Whatever you got in this world, that's all you get. Like verse 1, you have no reward with your Father in heaven because you're not storing up treasure in heaven. You're still just storing treasure up for yourself and your own reputation. So here's how to join the mission of Jesus. Here's how you do it. What kind of attitude you do it with. Number one, be forgetful. Be self-forgetful. Be others-forgetful. Stop doing things so that other people will feel good about you. Stop doing things so that you will feel good about you. Just stop thinking about you. I love how Martin Lord jones said it. He said, do things as you're moved by God and led by the Holy Spirit and then forget all about them. Do it and forget it. Be forgetful. And then, number two, be casual. As you're serving, as you're giving, as as you're ministering, don't make a big deal about it. Look at what Jesus says in verse three. Verse three, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, in that culture, your right arm, your right hand was what you used for everything. Your left arm just kind of hung there like a sausage most of the time. So when you woke up, you would eat breakfast with your right hand. When you went to the market, you would pay for the grain that you're buying with your right hand. And then on your way home, you would give to the needy guy that you know on the corner with your right hand. That's what Jesus is saying. Just as part of your everyday life, not even noticing it yourself even. Let your ministry, let your service, let your mission just be casual. Just part of what you do every day. And that, family, that has been our strategy here at Harbor Church for the last 18 years. Our goal is to just keep putting one foot in front of the other as we follow where the Spirit's leading us. And praise God, he has blessed that. You folks, you have helped plant 10 churches across the Hawaiian Islands, including five harbor churches, along with churches in Japan and Vietnam. God has done some amazing things through you. But we are praying to see him do a lot more, especially here in the islands. Because at one time, Hawaii was the most Christian nation on the planet. Did you know that? The biggest church in the world was the church in Hilo. 10,000 people attended church in the one church in Hilo every single week. Across the, Hawaii, the Hawaiian Islands, 90% of the population attended church every week. is that crazy? 90%. You know what the percentage is now? Five. 5%. That grieves our hearts. That grieves God's heart. Because out of 1.5 million people in Hawaii, more than 1.4 million are living life without Jesus. And they don't know how much time they've got left. That's the lesson we need to draw from Lahaina. We don't know if we've got five years, five months, five minutes left. We don't know if we've got five minutes. So family, this is urgent. This is so urgent. We are praying for God to deliver people across Hawaii, save them, redeem them, restore them, heal them, and give them life to the full like he's given to us. We want to see Hawaii like it was 150 years ago when people on Maui would say, man, you can't even take a walk in the sugarcane fields without bumping into people praying at every turn. That's what it was like in the islands 150 years ago. We want to see that again. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be incredible? It all starts when we join the mission of Jesus. We want to close with three ideas of how you can. Here's where you can join the mission. Number one, in the church. Right here in the church. Right after this service, like you've heard, while we'll the Ministry Expo downstairs out in the parking lot. We made this service a little shorter so you'd have more time to go see what ministries are available. So find a ministry. Find a ministry where you can care, where you can contribute, where you can connect. Harbor New Uanu, we're relaunching them into weekly services in October. They need a lot of help. Find a place to serve. Join the mission of Jesus in this church. And then, in addition to that, Join the mission of Jesus in your community, in your context. A month ago, we launched the One More initiative because as you read the parables of Jesus in the Gospels, he's always seeking one more. One lost coin, one lost sheep, one lost son. There's always one more person that Jesus is seeking out. And so the question is, who is your one more? The one more person that Jesus has put in your life who needs to meet him, be saved by him? Are you praying for your one more? Are you taking initiative with your one more to connect them to Jesus and connect them to the family of Jesus? Join the mission of Jesus in the church, in your community, and then third, across Hova'ine. There's opportunities and growing opportunities especially in response to what's just happened on Maui. We're in the process of forming a long-term plan for ministry on Maui. We've got uh, partners there, about seven, possibly ten local churches right there on Maui that we're going to come alongside as they minister. And in a few months, we're going to need some of you. We're going to need trauma care counselors to help people who are grieving in ways they don't even know yet because they're just two weeks into this. We're going to need educators to help Come alongside displaced students. we're going to need business-minded people, administratively oriented people to help folks on Maui navigate governmental bureaucratic red tape. In a couple of months we're going to need you, because there is a big mountain that God has for us to climb, and at the top of that mountain is a treasure that we can take with us. Friendships that last forever. We want to serve and sacrifice for them because Jesus served and sacrificed for us. How are you going to join the mission of Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you for Jesus who left the comforts and the glory of heaven to come to this dirty, stinky, chaotic place called earth. Thank you for the way he served us through his life. Thank you for the way he sacrificed for us through his death. Thank you for the way that he gave us new life through his resurrection and the way that he lovingly reigns over us today. Thank you for the life to the full that we have in Jesus. Our hearts ache for 1.4 million people across our islands who don't have what we have. So Lord, give us urgency. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how much time they have. Could be five years, could be five minutes. We don't know. So give us passionate, urgent love same as you expressed to us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.